How we feeling, family? Amen, amen. My dad did good last week? So I got a guest today, and, and I use these opportunities so I can walk around, interact with people, uh, see some of the operations, make sure that we're doing things on the up and up and, and a smooth thing. But I got, he got an excellent word. I'm kind of jealous that God blessed him with the word and not me. I was actually going to cancel his message from him speaking because he already told me what he's going to preach about, and I was going to preach it to make it seem like it was mine. But I felt convicted. I felt convicted. I felt convicted. But um, without further ado, round of applause for my man, my brother, Pastor Adam Durso. So your man can't, comes in a suit. I said, you got a suit on? So I'm like, right, there's a memo. I'm going to put a memo out. Because him and Paul, they be trying to do their thing in there. I be trying to be a relaxed feeling and stuff like that. So a memo, this is going to be a memo. Can't nobody wear a suit unless Pastor Jamal wears a suit. <laughs> um, we have great leadership in this church. It is, um, it, is, it is too often that we value leadership after they're gone. We celebrate them and miss them and love on them after they've left. We should never do that. That should not be our reputation. We should thank God for Pastor Jamal and Lady Rita. We should thank God for Pastor Bernard and Pastor Karen. So can you put your hands together my Bible says to give honor where honor is due. Would you put your hands together and thank God for our pastors? It's been a, it's been a busy season. I had the opportunity to travel uh, with Pastor Jamal and Pastor Bernard. We were in Dubai together. And uh, Pastor Bernard mentored uh, for two and a half days, 85 leaders under the age of 40. A third of the room was under the age of 30 from 42 countries, 18 time zones, and six continents. And um, it was an absolutely amazing experience. We're hoping next year that we're gonna be able to do regional gatherings in Dubai and in, um, in, uh, in Hong Kong and Jakarta and across the globe. It was tremendous. And then myself and Pastor Jamal uh, went over to uh, Uganda uh, and uh, we held a pastor's conference there along with uh, Pastor David Ireland and we brought 14 other pastors from the Northeast with us. And uh, we had 600 pastors from seven nations across East Africa. It was amazing. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, um, uh, Pastor Ireland kicked it off. Pastor Matt Thompson, who's got a large church in Boston, went second. But I shouted down the hardest as my brother got up there. And I got to tell you, he represented when he was done, he could have dropped the mic. He had two minutes left on the clock. He was done. East Africa will not be the same again after Pastor Jamal's message. Yeah, put your hands together right there. If you have your Bibles, you can open up with me the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter. I'm going to read to you one verse, and then we'll pray. The title of my message this morning is The Stench Behind the Stone. The stench behind the stone. John chapter 11 and verse 34. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did 
put their faith in him. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for Palm Sunday. Thank you for the, the, the shouts of Hosanna, him who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for hands lifted and palms and, and, and the celebration and adulation of the incarnation of God himself in the flesh, God. But this morning, we thank you that you are no longer on a cross. We thank you that you are no longer in a tomb. You are Jesus who has risen from the dead. You sit at the right hand of the Father and you make intercession for us God so this morning we know that because two or three are gathered in your name you are here in our midst oh God so we will lift up our hands we will open up our mouth and we will give you praise so before I preach this morning would you lift up both your hands in this house would you open up your mouth and would you begin to praise your God like he's in this place like he walked down the center aisle and he's in this house lift up your hands Open up your mouth and bless your God. The context of Palm Sunday, the shouts of the crowd taking palms and laying them at the feet of the donkey that had never been ridden so that the Messiah could walk into Jerusalem, could ride into Jerusalem on a colt. They took their, their, their jackets off and they laid them in the road. It was, it was their, their, their symbolic expression of the honor, the royalty of Jesus. They were declaring him as king. It would be similar to what we would have today when we roll out a red carpet so that actors and actresses would not have to walk on the actual ground, but they would walk on the carpet. The stir in Jerusalem the crowd literally in a frenzy and an uproar. The precursor to that moment is found in John 11. You see, at this moment, Lazarus, who had been dead and buried in a tomb, had been risen to life. And verse 45 says, many of the Jews came and gathered around to see this Lazarus. The skeptics, the ones who did not believe in the word of Jesus' testimony, who didn't believe when they saw bread and fish multiplied, when they didn't believe when they saw blind eyes open and paralyzed people pick up their mat and walk. Because they saw Lazarus, they put their faith in Jesus. D.L. Moody, the great Chicago evangelist who was a man who sold shoes for a living, who spoke with a lisp, who had no better than a junior high school reading level. He would be made fun of in other conferences, preached the gospel to a hundred million people before there was radio, television, or a microphone. Said to crowds, if you want to see God move, find your Lazarus. You see, because nobody can argue with your testimony. Once I was dead, but now I am alive because of Jesus. You don't know where he took me from. You don't know the pit he carried me out of. And so because they saw Lazarus sitting there, many came to faith in this Jesus because that's what the first rule of miracles, you see, as we enter this Passion Week and we celebrate the miracle working power of Almighty God, not only that he died on a cross, but that he's no longer in a grave. On this day, we celebrate that your miracle is not just for you. You see, miracles are a beautiful thing, but they're not just for you. 
Your miracle is to share so that other people can believe. You see, John 11 begins with Jesus, a man named Lazarus, whom he loved, was sick. The brother of Mary and Martha, the one we talk about when Martha was busy in the kitchen and Mary sat at Jesus' feet. He, he, he loved this family. This was a family that he stayed with. This was a family that he enjoyed. This was a safe place for Jesus. And the Bible says that word gets to Jesus and they tell him, Jesus, the one whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. And the Bible says, and Jesus continues to minister two more days in the opposite direction of where Lazarus is. Jesus didn't respond the way they thought he should have responded. Jesus didn't respond, drop everything, and run right to Lazarus. What, what, what happens, my brother and my sister, when you pray and you call out to Jesus and he doesn't answer like you expect him to? What happens when you call out to Jesus? Jesus, they're sick and Jesus doesn't respond. There's a delay. There seems to be the heavens are like brass. They're shut up. They're closed. They're, God, where are you? In that moment, Jesus walks on with his disciples. They have no clue what's going on. He's been told that the one whom he loves the home where he's felt safest is sick and he's walking two days in the opposite direction. And then he lets them know, we're gonna go back and we're gonna get to Mary and Martha's home and he's fallen asleep. And his disciples, because they've got no clue, they don't understand, they tell Jesus, no, 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 it's okay. It's good that he fell asleep because if he fell asleep, that means he must be getting better. And Jesus says, no, you, 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 you don't understand. What I mean is that he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he's dead. What? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've had some moments with Jesus where we was just not on the same page. I've had some moments with Jesus where his response wasn't what I expected him to respond like. He didn't give me the word I was expecting. I was, I was expecting something else. And when he opened up his word to me or he spoke in the quietness of that moment, it didn't sound like what I was expecting. He's dead and for your sake, I'm glad. What? Don't you understand? I'm about to stretch your level of belief. We serve a God who moves from glory to glory and from faith to faith. At every greater level of glory, there is a new extension of your faith. There's a new place where you have to believe him. You see, up to this moment, they knew him of the God who could calm the seas with one word. He, they knew him as the God who could open up the eyes of the blind. They knew him as the God who could, who could have the paralyzed get up and, and pick up his mat and walk. But they did not know him as the resurrection and the life. And so at this moment, he says, I'm glad he's dead because this delay is going to prove to you. It's going to stretch your faith. It's going to make you understand that I am. I am king of kings. 
that I am Lord of Lords, that I am that I am. I was, I am, I am to be. I am God incarnate. I am the King of Kings. And in that moment, their faith was going to be stretched. They were going to believe God. They were going to see him in a different light. And the Bible says then on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the grave four days. The word of Jesus on the road back toward Mary and Martha's home. Martha leaves the house and runs to find Jesus where he is. and Says to him, Jesus, if you had only been here. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know about your marriage. I don't know about your children. I don't know about your family. But there have been times and moments in my life, if I was honest with you, where I would have to declare, Jesus, if you had only been here. If you had only been here when I was going through what I was going through. If you had, if you had only been here when I was facing what I was facing. If you had only been here. When you get the word that is a word that just lets you know that there's, there's just, it doesn't seem like there's any hope. And Martha, she's the type A of the two. She's the, she's the one who runs out. She's the go-getter. She's the going to get it done. She's going to go find you. She ain't wait till he gets to the house. She goes and finds him out on the road. Jesus, if you would have been here. Don't you know my brother wouldn't be in a grave right now? And then he turns to Martha and he says, Martha, don't you know I am the resurrection and the life? At first, Martha tried to give him the theological answer. Have you ever tried to argue theology with God? I got to just give you a heads up. It's a bad move. You can't, you can't argue theology with God. She, she told, no, 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 I know he's going to be raised on the last day. Like, let me let you know, I've been the, I've been the Sunday school. Uh, I've been the Bible study. I know Jesus, I get it. I mean, in full disclosure, I just want you all to know, I can't even figure out how to make the palm into a cross like they did in the thing. <laughs> I know, I know Jesus. It'll, I know on the last day it'll, no, 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 Martha. You don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. Martha runs back, finds her sister Mary. Mary, Mary, Jesus is here. If Martha is the type A one, Mary's the emotional one. She's the one who sits at the feet of Jesus and she, she's all touchy-feely and that, that's who Mary is. Mary, Mary is one of those people, she just got to hug you. You know, doesn't want to hear about a handshake. She, she want to hug you. And so she, she runs out the house in such a huff that people are, are, are concerned about her. The other people who are grieving in the house, sitting shiva in the house, they're so concerned about the fact that she runs out the way she runs out. They follow her. She must be running to the tomb to go grieve once again at where Lazarus is buried and they don't know she's running to the feet of Jesus. And emotionally, as she gets to Jesus, she says, Jesus! In that moment, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still a ways out. And as she ran, she fell at his feet. And said, Lord, if you just would have been here. And Jesus saw her weeping. 
and said, where have they laid him? For he was deeply moved. In that moment, Jesus sees Mary's grief, her anguish. Mary, in all of her pain and all of her suffering, moves the heart of God. Think about this. He knows what he's about to do in a moment. And the next verse, which is the shortest verse in the Bible, which might be the most profound verse in the Bible, says, and Jesus wept. Two words. Jesus wept. It's an indicator. It's a peek. It's a peek behind the veil into the heart of God. Can God feel Jesus in that moment moved with compassion because he saw Mary's anguish begins to weep. He, he knows that Lazarus is only sleeping and that he's about to raise him in a moment, but because he's surrounded by the grief and anguish of other people, his heart is moved and strong and he begins to weep also. Hebrews tells us that we have Jesus as a greater high priest because he's acquainted He's familiar with our suffering and our anguish. We don't serve a God who's distant and off somewhere in the clouds wondering and doesn't have feeling. No, no, no. We serve a God who understands our pain. Jesus, who now sits at the right hand of the Father, ever looking to make intercession for us sitting at the right hand of the father interceding on our behalf you know what I'm reminded of I'm reminded that whenever I pray I'm never the first to pray that when I begin to pray and I begin to call out of my grief and out of my anguish Jesus has already been praying for me well, how do, how do you understand that if God's one, how does he sit at the right hand of the Father? I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I told you I couldn't even figure out the palm thing before. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you my Bible says it. And I know that when he's around pain, he can feel pain. And he could weep with those that weep. He could understand it in that moment. As a matter of fact, my Bible tells me that he bottles up tears. Because I don't know about you, but I've had some moments where my back was up against the wall. And I couldn't even articulate what I needed from God. I couldn't even describe what I needed from God. In a moment, all I could do was say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. I don't know about you, but the Bible says there's a groan that words cannot be uttered. They, they, I cannot describe to you what I need, but God, in this moment, I need you. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the one who's downcast, who feels rejected, who feels like, I can't believe if, if you had only been here. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. And then he knows, all right, it's, it's been too much. Because he'll never give us more than we can bear. He knows exactly where that moment is. I don't know if you've ever felt like you was at the breaking point and then you was bending, but you didn't break. Can I tell you? The fact that you're here this morning is proof that you didn't break. 
If you had broken, you wouldn't be up in here this morning. But I don't know about you, if your back has ever been up against the wall and you shouted and Jesus showed up in that moment and he did what only he could do, this would be a really good moment for you to open up your mouth and give your God your best praise. Where have you laid him? They bring him to the, to the tomb, which is a hallowed out part of the side of a mountain with a stone rolled in front of it. And Jesus says, somebody, somebody, somebody roll, roll away the stone. Somebody move that stone out of the way. And Martha, because you know, she's the type A one. She's taking care of logistics. She's, she's taking care of operations. She, she, she's handling stuff. She's like, oh, Jesus. It's always type A people that be telling Jesus what to do. 23 years in ministry, it's all the type A people that be like, no, 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 you can't do it like that. <laughs> if you're not laughing, it's okay, you'll get it later. <laughs> no, 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 Jesus, we can't roll away the stone. He's been dead four days, and the smell is so bad, it's repugnant. I don't know about you, but has your situation ever gotten so bad it stunk? Have you ever gone through a situation that was so bad there was a stench to it? People that got around you for five minutes could pick up on the stench that was in your home. Marriage so bad, your friends got around you for a few minutes and they knew immediately what was going on. Stuff going on with your children was so bad, got around you for a few minutes, they could literally smell it on you. The desperation, the anxiety, the depression, the stuff you was going through was so bad, they literally could smell death all around you. No, 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 no. Don't roll away the stone. The stench is too bad. The truth of the matter is we come to church in our Sunday best and it's just a stone covering up our stench. We put our tie on, our shirt, our jacket. We put our dress on. We, we dress it all up. But the truth of the matter is, if you just got close to us long enough and we was actually vulnerable enough to roll back the stone, you would see that there's been death all up in here. See, but resurrection can't happen until you're willing to roll away your stone. Resur resurrection can't happen until you're willing to be vulnerable enough to say, God, there's death in my marriage. There's death in my home. There's death with my children. There's death in my finances. There's death in my emotions. There's death. The hurt and the pain is so great. There's death. And the truth of the matter is I ruin every other relationship because anytime anybody gets close enough to me, they smell what's really been behind the stone the whole time. Relationships are ruined not by the person that you're currently in the relationship with, but because of stuff that you've kept hidden behind a stone that goes way, way, way back. Hurt so deep, anxiety and depression, confusion, stuff that just lingers and we leave it behind the stone. No, 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 Jesus. No, 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 the stench is too great. But Jesus, understand, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to something. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to the resurrection, but first you gotta be willing to roll away your stone. 
I guess even in spite of the argument and the rebuttal of Mary, Martha, they roll away the stone and the Bible says in a loud voice. I don't know why it is that people want us to be quiet in church. I don't find that too much. I'm sure there's a place for silence and reflection, absolutely. But whenever Jesus is there, loud stuff happens. On, on, on the first Palm Sunday when he was riding into town, it was the religious people that told his disciples, you should quiet them up. They're getting too, they're getting too loud. They're, they're moving too much. They, they, they stand too much. They lift their hands too much. They shout too much. They sing too much. They clap too much. You know, you should just quiet. And Jesus tells them on that very first Palm Sunday, you don't understand. If they stopped praising, literally the earth would open up. The earth would open up. The rocks would cry out. Because even inanimate objects like the stones know better. That when the king is in your presence, that's not the time to be silent. That's the moment where you can lift up your hands and say, I praise you, God. You see, the truth of the matter is, you just don't know my experience so you can't understand my worship. You don't understand how bad it stunk before they rolled away my stone and God brought me up out of there. So you can keep your religiosity and all your perfect, uh, everything's got it all together attitude. I've got to tell you, there was a moment, a matter of fact, in my life, I'll just be real honest with you. In my life, there's been several moments where there's been some times where stuff stunk so bad it had been in the grave for multiple days. And until Jesus showed up and they rolled away the stone, it would still stink. I wonder, in a loud voice, he calls, Lazarus! I wonder if the angels and the heavenly hosts were peeking in. They wanted to see what this moment was like. I wonder if the cherubim and seraphim who call holy, holy, holy day and night without ceasing. I, I wonder if they just had to take a moment and peek in to see what was about to happen. I wonder if the great cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 11 was just, just had to take a moment and say, oh, as the, as the call of Lazarus reverberated throughout the corridors of heaven and echoed and reverberated throughout the corridors of the heavenly temple where God is at the center and there needs to be no sun. And in that moment, the presence of God filling all of heaven and they look in and he cries, Lazarus, come forth. In that moment, stone rolled away. A man begins to walk out of the grave. I can't imagine that they waited for him to get fully outside. If it was your brother 
who you had been weeping for. If it was your situation, you would have seen a little bit of movement and you would have ran up in there. I, I don't know how long it took the Bible's silent about that, but all of a sudden they see something moving up in there and they, they start peering into the grave and all of a sudden Lazarus begins to walk out tied and bound by his grave clothes. It's a reminder about how bad your situation may look, how bad it might stink. That as long as Jesus is still there, there is a moment for a miracle. Would you bow your heads with me? You see, though, there is no resurrection without the removal of the stone. Because as long as the stench stays hidden, you're not positioned for God to do the miraculous. And if there's ever a safe place, if Mary and Martha's house was a safe place, if there's ever to be a safe place for us to be honest with our stuff, it should be the house of God. It should be a place where we come into his house and we can be honest and vulnerable, not thinking that somebody on our right or our left, somebody behind us or in front of us would judge us for our stuff, but that we would simply say, here is my stone rolled back. Here is the honesty of my situation. Here is the circumstance of my marriage. You don't know, Pastor Adam, before I walked up in here. My kids, they're not serving God. You don't, you don't know. I was ready to throw in the towel. The fact that I actually made it here this morning in and of itself is a miracle. I had moments all week long where I thought about quitting. Jesus hadn't responded the way I thought he would. I thought he would have showed up by now. In this moment, he'd say, Pastor Adam, I'm willing to roll away my stone. I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to say, God, you know my circumstance. You know my situation. You know how bad it stinks. But here I am, God. Show up and do the miraculous. Job says it this way. But if it were I, I would appeal to God and I would lay my cause before him. For he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed and miracles that cannot be counted. Today, you might be positioned for the miracle you've been waiting for simply because you're willing to roll aside the stone. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, Holy Spirit of God, make up for my words have failed. Make up for what I have not said.
You alone search the deep places of man. You alone search the heart of man. Spirit of a living God, do what only you can do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Adam, I walked in here and I've got some stuff and it's, I've kept it hidden and I've kept it behind the stone and I've, 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 it feels like death. And I'm not even sure what to pray anymore, but it just simply means calling out to God. I'm willing to be honest enough this morning. I'm willing to believe God once again. I'm willing to lay my cause before him for he does the miraculous. If that's you, then I want to pray for you. Then lift up your right hand right now. Go. Go. Don't lift it up halfway. Lift it all the way up. Your Savior bled and died naked on a cross for you. Lift up your hand to your God. Be bold enough to say, yes, God, here it is. I don't bring to you my perfection. I bring to you my situation. And in a graveyard, you do your best work. In a graveyard, you do the miraculous. Father God, I pray for the individuals in this room, Lord. With such an uh, amazing word of, of, of just the, the stone being rolled back and the stench of our situation being so prevalent, Lord, but you're not even bothered by the stench. The stench doesn't bother you. It actually draws you closer. Because in our weakness, you're made strong. So Lord, we ask that you have your way. We surrender. And like you were on the cross, we are here naked and ashamed. And we surrender the situation. Say the situation. Lord, I surrender this situation. Say it. And it's all yours. And I'm not taking it back. And I say, say, say Lord, thank you for the freedom. Thank you for breaking the chains. Thank you for rolling the stone back. I'm embracing, I am embracing the next level of my walk with you. Lord, I ask that you have your way. Bless them, anoint them afresh. Let them be the individuals that you have called them to be. Raise them up. And Lord, I pray for relationships to dwindle off. That's antagonistic to this next level. And I pray for relationships to, to start and ignite that are positive to this next level. So we say thank you for who you are, what you are, never forgetting the power of the almighty God. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Man, Pastor Adam, that was good. I love that guy. You guys see, when we, we're on the road, the jokes we have with one another, he's a blessing. He, you know, he, he is a real man of God that other ministers can be vulnerable in front of and know that what's gonna, it doesn't come from the pulpit. He's not going to use our, our, our stories and our situations to, to fill his message box. So that's a real good man. Pray for him. Pray for his lovely wife. You don't get to see her, but she's right there in the back. God is so good. God is so good. But think about this, right? The same complaint 
that Mary had with Jesus, like, where were you? Jesus himself had to go through. Just a fool for thought. Just a fool for thought. Come we say it like we mean it. Remember, we have we always have guests. Facebook, you with me? Come on, Facebook. Raise your Bible. Balcony. If you don't know, it'll be on the screen. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. Our rule of conduct. This, Bible this Bible creates the lens, creates the lens that, we that we see life through. As we leave this place with never God's presence, Jesus, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.